Okay, so you want me to read the post that I just put up. There are two posts this morning. But I'm going to... Do you want me to read both of them or just the one that I said? There's I a quiz. The you read the first one already. Okay, so I'll read the second one to you. The headline is... Uh, the post title, I should say. The post title isn't a headline. Do you think uh, it's wrong to call a post title a headline? I know, but I like to use good terminology. Okay. I'm sort of a wordsmith, you know. Yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> okay, so um, this is about the word patriotism. Patriotism? Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll just reveal what the quiz is before I give you the background to it. So oh, that'll okay. make you less, um, less possibly prejudiced. Right. So take this as an aphorism. Patriotism is rooted in humility. Nationalism is rooted in arrogance. Do you like that uh, as a, an aphorism? No, not really. What's wrong with it? Well, I don't think nationalism is rooted in arrogance, but oh well. And do you think patriotism is rooted in humility? Not necessarily. Okay, so my, my little uh, uh, poll that I put up is yeah. focusing on the first part, patriotism is rooted in humility. I guess uh -huh. I could do a second poll on the subject of na nationalism is rooted in, yeah, I should have done that. I didn't even think to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, hmm. Maybe I'll do that. Okay. All right. Okay, well, thanks Get for the done. input. You're welcome. So if you had to put a lot of, uh, so I did patriotism is rooted in blank. How would you fill in that blank? Patriotism is rooted in love. Oh, that was some... <laughs> great. I'm so glad you said that because that was my, that was exactly the word that I would have put. Okay. And that's one of the options on the quiz, on the poll. So I hope people take the poll. They probably will take the poll before uh, listening to the podcast because now we've just vastly prejudiced them in favor of saying love. Okay. Okay. So the quiz is. The poll, the I, survey, speaking of wordsmith, I think the correct word is survey. The survey gives, says, how would you fill in that blank? Pick your favorite from my list and discuss other options in the comments. I couldn't have other on the list because if other were on the list, it would just get a whole lot of votes and it would just be a stupid yeah. thing. It didn't do any good. Right. So I d deprive you of the other option. Okay. And I'm also getting ahead of people saying, well, you didn't have my choice. Of course I didn't have your choice. Fill in the blank. It could be any word. Right. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to okay. get all the choices. Okay. So here's the list. Humility. Mm -hmm. The one in the original aphorism. Mm -hmm. Humility, pride, love, shared interest, shared delusion, history, white supremacy, familiarity or proximity, and sentimentality or convention. That's all I could think of. Yeah. I was trying to get something a little flakier just for fun, but I kind of ground to... Well, just, I'm making a list of words. I could put anything on it. I could have fun with it. Uh -huh. But I, I kind of ground to a halt. It was sort of an entropy point when I got to sentimentality or convention. But you see, Dan Rather is afoot. That's mm. the post title. He seems to have a new book, What Unites Us. Oh, he's the one who said that. Yeah. I mean, and yet he's taken pot shots at Trump, of course, sick Trump in the hospital. He's taken a shot at him. But uh, what unites us? Does what unite hatred of Trump? Is that what unites us? Uh, okay. Sure, uh, <laughs> so he had put up a post that says, nothing says I work hard to America more than signing blank sheets of paper. 
But the real question is whether it was the same magical Sharpie the president uses for his hurricane forecasting. Ha ha ha. Oh, so, you know, he's America's comedian, apparently, Dan Rather. And then this caused this other person, I don't know who he is, Donald R. Hilper. Or Culper. Culper. However you say that. Culper. How do you pronounce the old? I'm I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Culper. Oh, well, so Joel would be Cole. I'm going to say Culper. K-O-E-L-P-E-R. Anyway, I'm trying to say his name correctly. Not giving him trouble. Anyway, he comes up with this quote from Dan Rather's book in response to Dan taking these pot shots at Trump. Culper says, and this is a quote from Dan Rather's What Unites Us, his new book. Quote, patriotism is rooted in humility. Nationalism is rooted in arrogance. And I said, seeing because the name Dan Rather is trending on Twitter this morning, he seems to have a new book. But, uh, uh, okay, so I amended the post to add the survey that you gave me the idea to put up, and that is a survey to examine the other half of the, aphor- the, other half of the aphorism. Nationalism is rooted in. And the options I came up with there, maybe I could have come up with more, but it was harder for me to think of these options. Nationalism. Nationalism is rooted in arrogance, love, fear or hatred of outsiders, feelings of racial supremacy, the charisma of a leader, self-interest or self-protection, history, and patriotism. I mean, why, why wouldn't nationalism be rooted in patriotism and patriotism be rooted in nationalism? I think it's more that nationalism is rooted in patriotism. It's a, it's a development of patriotism. It's it's something that develops out of patriotism. I think the important thing is that Dan Rather is rooted in hostility. <laughs> yeah? Yeah? It's, uh, you realize you're on the recording when you said that. Uh, Dan, do you want, you want to... The red light means no, no. The red light means it's connected, and that will be on as long as it's plugged in. Okay. So, and the computer is on. Okay, I guess. No, I don't mind people knowing my opinion about Dan. Rather. <laughs> Dan Rather is rooted in um, uh, in. Did you say hostility? Oh, I could do another survey. Dan Rather is rooted in. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Let me uh, stop this recording, and I'm going to add another uh, another poll. Okay, let's see how the voting has gone on this poll, filling in the blank. Let's see, view, I can view the results. Um, Well, pride is in first place with 32% of the vote. Love is in second place with 29%. Shared interest is 23%. And everything else is down in the 1% or 2% other than history, which is 8%. But I added a... um, taken Mead's advice, I put the other half of the um, uh, aphorism, nationalism is rooted in um, rather said arrogance, so I gave some other options, and um, the winner with 40% of the vote, nationalism is rooted in self-interest or self-protection, and then with 33%, the second choice was patriotism. So Rather was trying to distinguish patriotism and nationalism, but many of the people voting in my survey 
put patriotism as the root of nationalism. And the other one that got a fair number of votes was history, which got 13%. And all my other options got almost nothing. Love got 5%. Fear or hatred of others got 4%. Arrogance got, you know, that was Rather's choice. Arrogance got 2%. And the other, I got 1% for feelings of racial supremacy and the charisma of a leader. Obviously, I'm thinking about uh, Nazi Germany in coming up with those options. And then the uh, and then as long as we're doing surveys, I added Dan Rather is rooted in, and I only thought of uh, four options: journalism, love, hostility, and depleted soil. Depleted soil obviously takes the metaphor "rooted" seriously and has the answer uh, consistent within the met metaphor. So I assume that's going to be the winner, and it is with sixty-one percent of the vote. And uh, second place with thirty-seven percent is hostility. That was actually Mead's answer when I said it in real space here at Mead House. And, um, hey, you know, if I'm telling the truth when I said this is a podcast for Mead, I shouldn't be referring to him in the third person. See? I'm not, being, I'm not keeping to what I said I would do, what I told you I would do. I'm talking to you. And the other people are eavesdropping. So... I shouldn't be, I, I should be talking about those people in the third person. I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to stay within my mind frame that I came up with for this uh, podcast. So the other two options for Dan Rather is rooted in are journalism, which got 2% of the vote, and love, which got, can you guess, zero, zero percent. So that was that. And, um, so I'm interested in this um, Mellon Foundation to spend $250 million to reimagine monuments. The initiative, the largest in the organization's history, will support the creation of new monuments, as well as the relocation and rethinking of existing ones. That's a headline in the New York Times. And I pulled out the quote from Elizabeth Alexander, who's the president of the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation, she said, so much teaching happens without us going into a classroom, without us realizing what we're being, without us realizing we're being taught. And that's the larger context, just to put it into that article, is the beauty of monuments as a rubric is it's really a way of asking, how do we say who we are? How do we teach our history in public places? So much teaching happens without us going into a classroom and without us realizing we're being taught. We want to ask how we can help think about how to give form to the beautiful and extraordinary and powerful multiplicity of American stories. The beauty of the deep study of history is when you realize there's not just one story. There's not just two stories. You realize the power of this country is our multiplicity. And I said that quote, so much teaching happens without us going into a classroom and without us realizing we're being taught. Jumped out at me because I just blogged about President Trump's declaration from the hospital. It's with the quote, this is the real school. This isn't the let's read the book school, and to put that in its full context. It's really been a very interesting journey. I learned a lot about COVID. I learned it by really going to school. This is the real school. This isn't the let's read the book school. And I get it and I understand it. It's a very interesting thing. 
Okay, so both of those invoke the same idea of school beyond school. Of course, I said, the education we receive outside of the classroom is immense. I presume it's far more than what we get inside school. Even if we count the part of school that is our homework, the let's read the book part as opposed to just the classroom. And obviously with COVID, the line, so much teaching happens without us going into the classroom is inapt because the foundation president did not mean to exclude the teaching that happens with the child at home and the teacher on the computer screen. Is respect for formal schooling on the decline? Are these two statements evidence of that? If they are, it's only implied. What they most noticeably do is give respect to other kinds of learning, and if recognition of learning is bestowed as a form of respect, that suggests all forms of learning are respected, says the retired law professor. And, and that kicker line, says the retired law professor, in other words, me, uh, is there to say that I believe that writing my blog is also teaching, that this is teaching that goes on outside of school. And I actually think that that's better teaching, the teaching or whatever it is, the learning that goes on through blogging, reading blogs, commenting on blogs. Um, that's, that's better than the in-school learning. One thing I prefer about the uh, blog learning as opposed to teaching in law school is that only readers that want to be here are here and only people who want to listen eavesdrop on this uh, podcast are listening to this. I like that rather than people being trapped in the classroom. You know, when you're in law school, you're very aware when you're teaching law school, you're very aware that the classroom is full of people who are maybe just putting up with you because you're a means to an end. I don't like being a means to an end. I feel like the blog is more, uh, it's more free. It's more, obviously you can read for free and uh, you're here because of its intrinsic value. And I'm writing because of its intrinsic value. And uh, whatever learning happens, it happens as a, as a bonus to the activity that is uh, intrinsically rewarding in itself. So I really like that. I don't like keeping people trapped. And I remember when I was a kid in the classroom, I really felt incarcerated. I really hated the restriction. You know, it's a beautiful day outside right now. And when you're, and have, and look at all the kids in school, or maybe they're out running around and they'll do their schoolwork at night, but I think they're being trapped in front of the computer screen, just like they'd be trapped in the, in the uh, schoolroom. And, uh, you know, it's a, there's an incarceration factor here, an involuntariness that, that I've never liked. So the, the learning that takes place outside of school is better. Now, has Trump guaranteed himself the win by getting coronavirus and showing a more human side? That's a question at Cora that popped up in my email. So I went in there and saw that the top rated answer came from someone named Mark Bendewettering. Um, uh, no, I don't think so. Is there one thing? Oh. No, I don't think so. If there is one thing I have to give Trump, his popularity has been remarkably consistent throughout his presidency. Not actually good, mind you, but at least consistent. But I think that this bout with COVID-19 so close to the election isn't actually going to boost him and very well might hurt him. First of all, he's sick because of his disdain for the consensus opinions 
for science and medicine. Trump's policies couldn't even protect himself. He's likely to recover. He apparently hasn't learned much at all about showing a more human side. His followers will likely continue to follow, all the while tutting about how we should show empathy for him as he recovers in a luxurious dedicated suite at Walter Reed. But I don't think he's going to gain a lot of followers. And then the second highest rated came from someone named Wayne Spillett. And he said, in what way does catching a disease show his human side? What this shows is that the flagrant disregard that Trump and other White House staff have not only shown, but also actively encouraged hundreds of thousands of supporters to show is dangerous and isn't stupid. Hicks continued to attend events. What? For a second, I thought he was insulting. The rural folk who attend Trump rallies. Hicks continued to attend events when she felt unwell with COVID-19 symptoms. He's talking about her picks. And it seems that she is the cause of the outbreak of the disease in the White House, not just the Trumps, but numerous others that they have been in close, unprotected contact with. So it, uh, that was funny to me because the way he wrote it, I really thought he was talking about Hicks, meaning the insult for rural folk. Hicks continued to attend events. <laughs> No, he means Hope Hicks, who uh, seems to be the first one in the group to have come down with the virus. So I guess she's going to be uh, considered the uh, typhoid Mary of the uh, group. So uh, Wayne Spillett, this commenter over at Quora, continues to say, now after completely failing to take the situation seriously, the 74-year-old patron saint of hamburger abuse is not only infected, but hospitalized. The only way he can show a more human side coming out of this is to admit that he has been wrong the whole year to behave responsibly from here on in and to make sure the rest of the White House and the rest of the Republican Party behave responsibly, responsibly so that the public doubters can see their behavior in action. And this guy spelled hospitalized with an S instead of a Z and behavior with that extra U before the final R. So. I don't think he's an American. I don't know if I, uh, well, anyone can have an opinion, but that's not an American's opinion, I don't think. Anyway, I read a bunch more comments and no one was answering yes. Notice that the question is framed in a super strong way. Has Trump guaranteed himself the win? Guaranteed. And that seems to force no answers because, of course, he's not guaranteed the win by getting sick. Everyone will say no, of course. So uh, for a more interesting and fruitful conversation, I suggest the question should be, can Trump take advantage of the misfortune of his illness and use it as an opportunity to infuse his campaign with new spirit and meaning? I mean, I think he can. I think that's what he's thinking about right now, isn't he? I mean, he by getting sick, he stopped the talk that was going on last week about how bad he was in the debate, how... Uh, much he interrupted and how he's a rude guy or, or whatever, or maybe there's some white supremacist theme they were trumping up at that time. That all went away, and now we have to talk about his illness. And I think he can leverage that into a new representation of himself, uh, making he can be the new Trump any way that he wants. He has so much uh, room to do that. Why wouldn't he? So let's go back to the podcast 
I mean the podcast. Let's go back to the post from last night that um, didn't make it into yesterday's podcast. Even after I'd put up my cafe to leave it to the commenters to do the rest of the writing on the blog down in the comments, I had one more thing that I wanted to put up. Uh, I hadn't noticed that it was 50 years on the on that day, October 4th, yesterday, it was 50, it marked 50 years ago that Janis Joplin had died. My son, John, posted a tribute on his blog with some videos, and he texted me that he'd done that, so I wanted to put something up, and I had to put it up last night uh, because it was the actual day. She died in the evening. I think her body was found two hours after she died, uh, maybe at about 8 o'clock at night. I'm not sure what time, time zone that was, but you know, it was yesterday evening, the 50-year anniversary. Uh, and I wanted to put up just one thing. I was really done blogging for the night, but there was one thing I knew I wanted to put up. And that was a, um, I've always remembered it. I saw it live when it was on television on the Dick Cavett show. She was talking to Dick Cavett. I guess this wasn't long before she died. I'm not sure what the actual date of it was. But she um, was uh, talked, among other things, about attending her high school reunion. And I said, it's, it's heartbreaking. And then um, uh, Half Moon in the comments quoted something about how that reunion went. When she was talking to Dick Cavett, she was talking about how she was going to do it. And she said certain things about it. But let me read you what Half Moon said. It's, it's a quoted report of what it was like. On August 14th, Joplin attended her high school reunion at Thomas Jefferson High School. She was accompanied by fellow musician and friend Bob Newark, road manager John Cook, and her younger sister Laura, dressed in the popular San Francisco hippie fashion of the day with feathers and beads and her trademark purple-tinted glasses. Joplin answered questions at a press conference during which some of her more painful high school days came up again. All in all, it wasn't a pleasant visit for Joplin. Generally, this visit home to Port Arthur for the reunion did not achieve what she had hoped and once again, she left town feeling rejected and unloved. She soon returned to California to work on her music. And I said, thanks, Half Moon. You can tell in the Cavett interview what a terrible idea it is going back to the reunion, going to the reunion. You can tell if you listen to that interview. Uh, she looks really uh, sad and old and uh, worn out in that interview. But she said, uh, I, I said, you could tell in that interview what a terrible idea it is. And her aim was not to feel the love that had been denied to her when she was just another one of the students. So that quote is wrong about what she hoped for, unless she was misrepresenting herself in the Cabot interview. You can see that she's quite resentful toward the students. She feels they mistreated her. And she thinks she'll be able to pay them back by showing up as a big star and laughing at them. It was about contempt and payback so misguided that they resisted her bullshit is just fine. She didn't deserve to get what she hoped for, which was revenge, revenge against people she knew as a uh, teenager. So uh, that's the way I see that. I think it's very sad that she died, but uh, I mean, I think she would have made a great old person because she died when she was 27. She already looked old in that uh, video. And I remember you asked me last night, um, well, uh, Imagine if she had grown old, what would she look like? And I said, I think she would look great because she already looked old when she was young. 
There's no amount of wrinkles and oldness added to that that would look worse than she already looked being looking that old when she was that young. I think she would have uh, aged and mellowed into something uh, quite great uh, if she could have stayed alive. But uh, that was not to be. That ended 50 years ago last night.